how's it going? You're listening to another episode of the Niagara Moon podcast. I'm Thomas Irwin. I'm pretty happy about this week's episode. I got to uh, have a nice long Skype session with a, uh, a good friend and fan of Niagara Moon. Uh, his name is Jesse Gillen Walters. Uh, he is also a super talented musician himself. Uh, he goes by Basic Printer. I am a pretty big fan of his uh, recent mini album, Good Weird. Lots of solid tunes on there. And uh, as he says in his uh, half of this interview, we are kind of a musical kindred spirits. We both are kind of one-man bands, so to speak, uh, incorporating a lot of kind of disparate, different genres together, pop and electronic. And uh, he's he's a really talented guy. And uh, I always like talking to him. We're kind of like uh, digital pen pals. He's down in, in Nashville. I'm up here in Massachusetts, although he is a, uh, a fellow Northeasterner at heart. I think he's from uh, Schenectady. No, not Schenectady. What the hell is it called? Binghamton. Binghamton, New York. Um, but uh, we met, I guess, a little over a year ago now uh, when I was still doing the talking about the passion podcast. I was more explicitly interviewing other musicians and just kind of featuring them and their story and their work. Uh, and Jesse was on for an episode of that, episode 47 in the TATP archives, if you want to check that out. I, uh, I just had a really good time talking to him. I feel really lucky to have gotten to meet him and uh, gotten to know him better over time. He's just been super supportive of my music. Um, he always has something really encouraging to say. And um, I'm really impressed by his uh, craftsmanship as well. He's, he's very gifted at many different aspects of music making and um, just being a, a strong voice in the indie pop musician world. He uh, has his own podcast called The Printer Pod, and the printer pod is where you can hear the first half of our pretty lengthy, in-depth conversation. Um, he took that first half of our conversation for uh, for episode 20 of his podcast. You can check that out, Spotify, iTunes, you know, anywhere you, uh, you'd want to listen to my podcast. He's there, too. Um, and he does a really good job at it. A lot of uh, what I do here is kind of directly inspired by uh, what he does over there, so... This is both of us kind of um, revealing all of our, uh, our creative secrets and just really digging into the creative process in general and what that means to both of us. Uh, so definitely hope you enjoy that and stick around to the end uh, where I will play one of my favorite songs of his as well. So without further ado, here is uh, Jesse Gillen Walters and I uh, geeking out on music on a uh, Sunday afternoon. I feel like the, the creation of a song is a track, and you ride the track all the way through, but there's only one track. There's not necessarily going to be room for two people to be on that same track and both know where the track is heading. Like, it's... You know, either you're gonna yeah. see this all the way through your way. Somebody else would just have their own track. You can't have two different tracks for one song. Otherwise, it right. feels like you're just like Frankensteining. Like right. I don't know. 
Though that being it said, works, though, I like, sometimes some some people right. can work that way. And I think though, I think it would potentially take two people that have that same idea to potentially have a good collaborative output, which is why I want to make a song with you. <laughs> and I, and by the way, I saved that chord progression and I have it on my Asana list. I've just been oh. so screwed. No, you, yeah, you got so much going on. I and that that um, that chord progression. You're alluding to that uh, that little jazzy electric piano thing I sent you. That's, mm-hmm. that's very. That would be kind of difficult to just like put a melody on if you <laughs> if you're not coming at it from a very certain way. I would think too. Right. Well, I don't know. It's not the with, simplest. With melodies, I guess. I guess with. Um, and this would be a good conversation too. With me, it's like uh, I like to whenever I'm writing a song, I like to think of each moment as like, how can I make this the most angular moment relative to like every other moment on the tune? I do hear that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like it's very um, very attention grabbing, I would say. Yeah, which is it's you know, and it's like I'm not. This isn't self deprecating, but like. I very much am fine with the fact that my music is kind of like this brat, like running around in the daycare, like knocking over other people's <laughs> blocks and stuff. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's what it feels like, and it's like I'm like that is what it is. But it's definitely like, yeah, like at every moment, it's like, are you ready for this? <laughs> All right, are you ready for that? It's fun, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's enjoyable. So. Which I think you are a lot more tasteful in that way, but I think you still do. You still delight in that way, um, where you can. Yeah. Well, for example, solo for two, that um, string break. Those little uh, strings. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that and stuff like that comes from a lot of my songs. So I have that that phrase for the string break. I'm playing a certain weird set of chords on the keyboard. That's like, you know, there was one day that I sat down. And just play that. And I was like, I don't know what that would go into. I don't know what that is. I don't know how to build anything with that. But I remember it and I hold on to it. And then I work on a song like Solo for Two. And I'm like, okay, so there's this first and there's this chorus. Why don't I fit that thing right in the middle just to like, you know, add an extra layer of dimension to the the song or like have the story go in kind of an unexpected direction. Yeah. And, you know, or otherwise I'm just going to forever have a set of songs where it's like, First melody, then chorus melody, and we'll do that twice. And then that, like, I, I don't want to fall into always having the same predictable formula in every single song. So I'll do stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, it would be, it's very easy to do that and be like, you know, and then the song stops and then there's this weird thing and then it comes back. It doesn't feel like that. It's right. very if much it like, does feel like that, I'll be like, ah, didn't work. And then, you know, right. I'm discovering, <laughs> I'm discovering a, a story that exists somewhere in the ether and I discover it by like putting my ideas together and seeing if it's uncovering that story, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that's amazing, which that's like an interesting barometer of like, you know, we're talking about Aaron's, you know, speaking in terms of notation all the time and you're discovering notation by this kind of more ethereal concept of what you see as a story. I leave, your, yeah, I leave a lot of stuff up to chance and discovery 
because I can always filter out what doesn't work. And most of the time, whatever I try isn't going to necessarily work, but filter all that out until, you know, I, I'm, al I'm always like stumbling on my ideas. It feels like I'm not yeah. setting out with a, a, uh, a whole manifesto or something. Well, again, and I think that's where, like we're saying that, that provides more material that's like, you know, potentially very inspiring or like baffling to someone because it's not planned, but implementing it as if it were planned is like very, uh, striking because it's like, wow, how do you, because then it reads, it's like, how does someone think to do that? And it's like, well, you I don't didn't think really, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't think you just mess around in the sandbox and then when you got enough like raw cool material to work with then i go into like editing mode paring stuff down mode presentation mode but right. if i start like that i don't have anything to present right so you gotta you gotta decide kind of each part of the creative process you're deciding what what mode you're in what your goal in that session is i think is a good thing to do oh um, that's good yeah. Uh, not to compare myself to Stephen King by any means, but I think it was him who said, like, uh, I'm not a great writer of first drafts. Like, I'm not, I don't just sit down and write great stuff, but I'm good when I come back to it a second time or a third time and sh shape it from there. It's not just. Oh, like, that's good. You know, That's nothing good. quality stuff doesn't usually just come out of like a first time, like uh, just messing around with no plan. You, you can't have the plan right away, I think. Yeah, like planning and and deliberateness come into play to make a good thing. But it's not like everyone is it's not like every musician you've ever appreciated is like, I have this idea for a concept album and like, here's how it's going to be. And that's how it's going to end. And this is what it's going to sound like. Exactly. Like, you know, it goes through phases and criticism and stuff. Um, but yeah, tactfully applying the planning so as to not sterilize it. And also have these moments of like experimentalism. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm gonna plug in my computer. Yeah, yeah, take your time. Trying to find out where I can do it. Is that a DX7 behind you? This is a Poly 800. Oh, that's way do you know better. About is that Korg? <laughs> that's way better. Yeah. Yeah, I want a Poly 800. It's like an 80s They're analog cheap. synth, right? They're cheap. Uh -huh. Yeah. I miss. I I always like. I'd have a synth. I'd hold on to it for a while, and then I'd like sell it because I'd be moving or something, or I'd feel compelled to like make some money back in that time. But I should have just held on to all my gear. Did you have a Poly 800 before? I did not. I had a Juno 106 once upon a time. Definitely. Well, I have a Juno 106. You can see it right there. I can there. see it there. Yeah. Um. I borrowed my friend's Korg Monopoly. I think that was like my favorite synth. Oh ever. my god! Yeah, and he eventually sold that. That's a... dang. That was so yeah, fun. Yeah, you. I wish I could, like, 
give you a bunch of synthesizers <laughs> because that would be good for All me. All I have is my burnt like out microbrute. It's, it's, you know, it's funny because I hadn't thought about it, but the baseline, once you explained it on that podcast, I was like, wow, that does actually sound a lot like a mini Brit. I should have known that. Hmm. Um, I forget where we were. You're talking about Stephen King. Oh, so that you can have the surprising moments still. Music and is like, not a science. Music, like you can't, when you take music down to like its basic elements, it doesn't make sense. Like it's just these <clears throat> crazy and unexplainable sounds that may or may not like inspire feelings in you. But it, to think you can just like analyze and carefully structure everything from the first time you sit down, like that's that doesn't make any sense. Like you're, you're trying to like catch air or something. Like if you, <laughs> yeah. if I, even now just like trying to really like stop and think and talk about it and analyze it, I'm like, what is this? Like you have to feel like you're channeling. You can't approach it with like your work mind. But if you don't have a work mind at all and you're always just channeling and not thinking and experimenting and not knowing what you're doing, just kind of feeling your way through stuff, it doesn't stop there. If you only ever did that, you kind of just have disorganized messes that wouldn't translate to uh, consumable um enjoyable you know four minute tunes or whatever it's it's kind of they work in tandem i guess that's what i'm saying yeah you're kind of um i had some weird analogy in my head that might be <laughs> funny imagine you're like in in this fictional action movie you're bruce willis <laughs> okay and there's two trains going on two tracks actually <laughs> and the creative um, maybe there's like a bomb on one of the trains. Yeah. <laughs> but like, but there's like instructions for the bomb diffusing on one of the other trains. Mm -hmm. So like the creative train is like you fighting through these like bad guys on this one train, okay. getting all of these materials to diffuse a bomb. But then you have to literally hop between the trains to start diffusing the bomb. And maybe you only get so far and then you're like, damn, I need this other jumper cable. <laughs> No, so then I think you that kind of works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. <laughs> when an analogy like that pops in my head, I feel like I have to honor it. Got to run with but it. also picturing that Bruce Willis like in like a wife beater, like it's <laughs> 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 funny. But okay, this is he this was is a musician. Good... Was he Bruce Willis? The Return of what Bruno. He, <laughs> he was a really mediocre blues singer in the eighties. Damn it! Look it up on YouTube later. He's got oh. music videos. That's crazy. Where he closes out a bar and then just like dances with a broom and stuff. And he, yeah, he wow. he he sincerely wanted to be a singer back in the day. Well, maybe then same analogy except yeah. just replace that with you know <laughs> Jean Claude Van Damme instruments on one uh, or that <laughs> instruments on one train and like the the computer on the other. And he, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I love what you just said though because. I feel like so many people need to hear that because they don't understand. And I didn't even necessarily understand that. Actually, that kind of validated my approach because I always go in being like, I'm not really doing music because I'm fucking around too much. You know what I mean? But for example, my friend Mick, who he's going to hear this, be like, he's listening to this right now, be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like he always does. But anyway, <laughs> he wants to make music or he's made music in capacities, different capacities before. But he's never like formally gone in and be like, I'm going to make a song. Here's my song. Here's my finished product. 
And what stops him is the clerical side of music. Like mm. he he comes into Ableton, like he he'll the data want entry make, side. Exactly. Like he'll want in his mind to be like, I want to make this fat beat with like trumpet on top and like piano and this and that. And it's like, great, you definitely can. You know how to do like play all those instruments and you have good ideas. But the minute he opens Ableton and like has to click around and open mm. tracks, he like just creativity totally killer. does not want to do it at all and there's an element of me that so i'm always on and being like well then you don't really want to do it because that's part of it but like on the other hand you know there's people like reggie watts or mark rebier or whatever like improv jazz musicians who create a satisfying result by going in with nothing yep essentially and but you could argue even then it's like, well, the jazz musician knows like standards. They know how to like pick up on when, you know, they trade fours or whatever. They know their instrument. Reggie Watts has built out this series of hardware. So like, you know, there's, there's both of these trains are going. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but you know, the, the free form train is not to be understated. Most, if not all, of my major musical ideas, like stuff that I'll be able to build a song around or musical moments that motivate me to like finish the whole song or, you know, it's what I feel like is my best foot forward. They come from times where I'm just absentmindedly like, oh, I wasn't, I didn't decide that I'm going to work on music right now, but my keyboard's still on. And I guess. I'm just playing a little thing right now. I'm not thinking about what I'm doing. I'm half expecting them to like take a shower in five minutes. And right. then I, you know, stumble upon like a whole, you know, verse, chorus, bridge. Like I didn't plan to. I wasn't telling myself in that moment, this is going to happen. This is about to happen. This is what I am choosing to do right now with my time. It just, I find it, you know, by accident. That's like awesome. a lot of my, or like weird moments and songs that happen or, you know, the next step I choose to take a certain part of the song, it's like my finger slipped and I played like the wrong chord or the wrong set of notes, but I'm, and I'll hear that and be like, yeah, <laughs> like it's, it's all <laughs> happy accidents. Yeah. That's so important to be talking about. I think, I think people have too romantic a view of, of the musician. And I think someone could he, might hear one of our songs and be like, oh, they know what they're doing. They know what's up. Nope. And it's like, no. <laughs> yeah, sometimes a, the yeah. is the thing, you know? It reminds me of a really good, uh, I think it's a quote attributed to David Bowie, um, but he's talking about how do you know if you're going to make good art, if you're going to make good music. He's like, anytime I felt like working on something, I'm totally out of my depth and I don't know what I'm doing. I shouldn't be doing this. Like, this is not my forte, this isn't what I'm comfortable with. That's where you get the good stuff. Like if you're just, if you feel like you're just out of reach of what you're capable of, that's actually yeah. where the best stuff comes from. Oh, that's cool. That's, that's a great point. Like, and it's, and that's a, the way I read that is not necessarily, you know, um, reach for the stars kind of thing. It's more like reach into the dark. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, 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 yeah. It's not like, it's not like, yeah, it's not like, oh, you can play a solo that's way more impressive than that. It's like, no, play that solo on something else. 
Yeah. And because yeah. you're going to enter that being like enthralled and, you know, being challenged is, is some, is, is a, something to differentiate than being like enthralled or inspired or something. And being enthralled or inspired isn't, you're not necessarily inspired by like, I know how to write a diatonic chord progression on a piano. Like, you know what that is and feels mm. like and, and your bounds of that. But it's like, okay, what if my rule for this chord progression was that there had to be a fourth note that wasn't an octave on it or something. And it's like, it had to be a seven or a nine or an 11 or whatever, six or something, you know? Yeah, that's... And to kind of make this conversation a little more macro... Yeah. <laughs> Thank if you. you're talking about music as an industry, music as a business, or music as a product, the reason so much music isn't good, you know, if you just, like, look at the... If you go in a CD store, the sheer volume of CDs, the actual amount of music that, um, like that we would like or in general is critically regarded well or stands the test of time, any of that, it's music that kind of incorporates these elements of uncertainty or kind of danger or kind of uneasiness in the creative process, I think. Like it, it's not predictable. It's never yeah. safe and predictable. And when you try to generate music as a predictable, reliable product the way you would – like, okay, we got all these orders for cat food. We got to make this much cat food to, <laughs> to make, ship, and sell. When you approach something creative like music that way, it's gonna, it's almost always going to lose that, that something that, you know, that makes music inspiring or uh, transcendent. You, like, take that away. So I feel like a lot of music today, if people complain why a lot of music today suffers... There's no room for error. There's no room for risk or experimenting or, you know, letting things run on longer than they sh should for for the sake of, you know, reaching in the dark. It doesn't yeah. – there's not enough allowance for that, I think. Well, you think about, um, you know, critically acclaimed like canonical records and they always have these stories that are – a lot of them have this story of like, they were reaching into the dark at the time, like quite literally like dark side of the moon, for example, yeah. like it was on the top, the billboard top 100 or something, top 10 Gigantic. for 83 months straight or something. It yeah, was on for years, like oh, years and years. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, the whole vibe of that is like, we were just every day we're reaching into the dark with the, with this song. And I think, um, for example, this this record you inadvertently introduced to me, uh, Skylarking. By oh, Exodus. yeah, yeah. You read all the stories about that, and it's a similar thing of like, uh, you know, I don't know. We, we that was a really this... trying moment for that band, XTC, that like yeah. that was a do or die situation. Yeah. And, you know, well, we brought in this jazz band, or we did this string arrangement, and Todd Rundgren was like notating it. He did it on a sequencer. It was chaos. And it. Yeah, they didn't know crazy. what was going on. Yeah, and it's, yeah, and it's, it's like, so much more interesting than like the past three albums there. So I think. Oh, oh, you're saying um, XTC, lemon, oranges and lemons, and everything that came out. No, after. no, no. I I like those 
albums. Uh, but I mean, the, the ones before Skylarking, there's like a clump in there that uh, don't don't do it for me nearly as much. Yeah, I feel I feel the same way. After post Skylarking is those are my favorite of their records. I like Oranges and Lemons the best. Yeah, super good. My favorite is a uh, uh, Skeleton Steps Out. That's a good one. <laughs> Oh wait, dude. Yeah, that's that's the really funky one, right? Yeah. With oh, dude. That yeah, that's my favorite. From of course we have the same favorite from that yeah. that album. <laughs> I always throw that out like whenever it's a sunny day. Yeah. Enough for the windows. That's yeah. like the first song I put on. Awesome. Yeah, I got I gotta listen to that album again. Um, but there's tons of examples. The Flaming Lips with what I think their best album is Soft, Soft Bolton. They were like, we're about to like go broke. This band's about to like break up. We don't know what we're doing. Lost a member. Like, I guess we'll just try to make some songs. Like, that was their panic moment, and they came up stuff that's so much better, I think, than when like you know they're in a certain routine. Ten years later, just like comfortably. I mean, this is my own opinion here. Other people might disagree, but when they they just get back to like the regular routine and they have like their particular approach to jamming and anyway kind of tangent there but uh no, will will go with uh yankee, yankee Fox hotel foxtrot so much but i mean they have some other okay albums too but that's by far and away the best one and like their label at the time was like no and bohemian <laughs> rhapsody that i didn't see that movie yet but uh bohemian rhapsody the song it's like one of the best songs of all time right. utterly mind-blowing you know, when they first presented it to uh, their bosses, they're like, "What do we do with this? Can't digest a six-minute like silly operatic singing in the middle." Like, so I'm I'm all about music <laughs> like that. You know, that's yeah. always going to be my favorite. Totally. Where it's just like the person themselves, they're yeah, reaching in the dark. If we wanted to summarize this whole conversation, I think that's I think a, that'll probably be the title of great this point podcast. to come back to. <laughs> uh. Yeah, and you know what's funny is like now that after this whole conversation, I'm thinking about how me reaching in the dark is is almost reaching in to the light for this practice for this album. It's almost like the most the most different thing I could do is try to plan things, mm. <laughs> which that's not happening as, as you know as a as a foundational element. But the idea of that I'm fact checking my reaches into the dark and like reaching in the dark and bring it to Aaron and be like should I, is what I pulled out of the dark good? And he's like, yes, if we do X, Y, and Z. I think that is, in a way, hitting that that moment of, um, what do you call it, disruption. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. I mean, yeah, a lot of the examples I just kind of spouted off, they were working with somebody else who could kind of keep them in check here or there. You know, they weren't these solo madman geniuses who just like had final cut start to finish such a great really, point yeah it, it also makes you wonder like with with skylarking and xdc it's like you read all about that and then apparently like todd rungren and andy parcher just they hated were, each other yeah and it makes you wonder like is it supposed does it matter right did that it, actually it, it, affect things or it makes you wonder is like if is it is it kind of like this weird boot camp where <laughs> Or this weird like basic training in the military where it's like the point is not that it's comfortable and fun and nice mm. and, and necessarily. Like maybe it's bickering and and tough, but like you emerge with this mutual respect or potentially not. But it's like your record is fantastic. 
Mm. <laughs> it's an interesting thought. It is, yeah. But yeah, I mean, nonetheless, I mean, it, I'm not drawn to work with people typically, as you said, as as you feel as well. I mean, it kind of, when you're able to do everything yourself, like you and I are, the idea of just, you don't have to consult with anybody, you don't have to even vocalize your ideas a lot, you can just go bing, bang, boom, and it's like, sometimes it's so much more efficient than any other way of working on something, you don't have to, there's no checks and balances, it's the, the being able to take everything in your own hands and just, and not have to like, work anything out with somebody else in the meantime, that's kind of, uh, it's very appealing sometimes because it's, you know, you get comfortable with it and um, it removes any distractions, I guess. Yeah. So bringing somebody into that world and yeah, it requires a lot more patience. Um, right. It extends the whole process. It makes things take longer sometimes. Yeah, it's almost like asking it's like, hey, you have this this preferential, efficient, satisfying thing that you do. And if I jump in, I'm going to slow all of that down and potentially dilute your satisfaction of the output. But it also could be more satisfying or as satisfying. It's hard for someone yeah. to just be like, to take that risk that that evolves. No, yeah, no, I hear what you're saying it uh it's always going to depend on the the person but yeah so if you're listening i don't want to collab with you <laughs> <laughs> yeah and just like even when you're working on something entirely by yourself and trying out stuff you don't have to consider your own feelings or like have a any level of like diplomacy with yourself yeah you know you can yeah. be as impatient with yourself as you want to if you're mm -hmm. bringing anybody else in, you got to like remember to be a nice functional <laughs> person around them too. So I feel yeah. like even that can kind of change up the flow. And you got to know. Can't just be in your head the whole time. So true. So true. Or like, yeah, you have to clear a lot of things. You have to be like, listen, I'm willing to move notes around on this piano roll for like five hours to figure this one thing out. But like, are you? Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's like, or, or, or do you mind if I do that while you're, we're separated for a sec? Right, like, right. Yeah. Um, I have a question based on this sort of, um, with, with writing alone, there is this kind of bubble element of, you know, you're going to say either musically or lyrically something that, like you said, it's going to be unchecked and then it's going to get put out into the public where it's going to be checked a lot. Mm. And there's an element of like, there's an interesting layer there of like, I've grown very desensitized to like, yeah, if I'm going to talk about this really personal subject matter or do this really weird musical idea, that's never hitting anybody else's ears. And I'm never reacting to their reaction to know, Oh, is mm. that too far? Is that too, or right. what is that? Do you, you feel like you encounter that? Uh, well, a lot of the songs I write nowadays, um, I coordinate having a Hui Min, my girlfriend, sing harmony parts. Mm -hmm. So, and I, I really like having that element. She has a great voice, but I can't, you know, a lot of stuff 
if I want to have that element, I can't just write whatever, you know? Yeah. I, I'm presenting it to her eventually, and I, and I know this as I'm writing the song. So that'll kind of function as a sort of, uh, like I, I'm running, and then even after that, I'll work with a particular mixing engineer, Grant Wick, so I mm -hmm. uh, have a history with, and I know that he'll be listening and kind of consuming the song a lot while it's still under construction. So, you know, even though I'm, when I'm writing the song, I'm in a room by myself or whatever, it's going to go through some people that I do know well and I'm familiar with before it just goes out to total strangers. So got it there, yeah. you know, it's still my, so it's in the back of my mind a little bit. Do, what would you say is your most regular source of lyrical inspiration? Is it pretty all over the place? Mm, well, I can't, do the Lucy in the Sky with Diamond style, like just making up, or maybe I tried it in the past, but I can't do it now, and just like making up what isn't there or isn't real, or okay. being fantastical. Wow. I, I I struggle with that a little bit more now. What I, I just think of day to day, like what I understand to be reality and and interpersonal experiences. I would say is probably number one. Just I always imagine. I often think of a certain person in my life while I uh, am, am writing lyrics, or like I'm speaking to somebody or I'm speaking about somebody. So it's other people's probably easy answer. I always have a very uh, firm approach with lyrics that I'm not thinking about the lyrics as I'm coming up with them too, if we're getting back to that channeling idea. Yeah. I can't, like I don't write it down before I'm like just singing it in the moment. Like I try to get as many lyrics as I can. Just, I have, you know, it's, it's melody first or uh -huh. sometimes melody and lyrics together, but it's just, it comes out before I've thought about it. That's cool. You know, because even important. as we're having this conversation, I'm not thinking about what I'm saying until I already vocalize it necessarily. It's more yeah. stream of consciousness. So I want to copy that in lyrics as much as I can. Man. Thinking is such a, <laughs> such it has a trippy its, thing to examine on the fly. <laughs> <laughs> it has its uses, but yeah, it's not always the most helpful. Uh, I definitely had, this is one moment, the song that's not out anymore. Um, it's an older song of mine that I might release later, but mm. yeah, when I was writing it, um, I had the beat and everything and it was like pretty much done. And then, I just, you just find yourself being like, and you're like, yeah. where did that, what the hell? Yeah. And then you're discovering syllables yeah. and you're like, so Talking head style. and then you're putting, you know, consonants to it. And then you're putting, uh, words to it. And then you're examining it and being like, Oh, I guess I'm talking about this train yep. station yep. in yep. the sky. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, what does that mean to me? Oh, it means, you know, escapism and and maybe death or something, and then you're reflecting on that. Mm -hmm. And there there is an element of of as you say, like wading w a d i n g in mm -hmm. in the in the water and not trudging out in a boat, being like we're going over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why so I love uh, David Burns so much. Is he's he's big time on that, just like making sense out of just like nonsense sounds. That you'll just kind of did, did, spurt out. Is in the he? 
are you referencing like does he talk about his writing process and say that or is there like a tune where you see that kind of no, he, together? he uh he has a book called how music works which is very interesting read. <laughs> oh yeah that's but, right I should read so it. like when he's talking about the songs for um what's that album their best one with, with uh, um, born under punches and once in a lifetime not sure personally i totally forget what that album is called but you know songs around that period 1980 it's kind of surreal nonsense ultimately but it's generated through this idea of just like getting these sounds out first and then finding words that can replace those sounds in the best way yeah yeah totally and then our like crazy analytical monkey minds like assign some specific meaning to it later even though it originated from this just purely like sonic process. I don't know. I, I like to nerd yeah. over that sort of stuff. Oh, totally. And, you know, I think about in, in Nashville, it's such a writer's town. It's all about, I mean, you have people yeah. that their whole, you know, their whole um, musical mobility is just like, who am I writing with next? Who am I co-writing with next? And they'll get together and they'll write this one, four, five song about like lost love. Yeah, how Every many ways can you say I broke up? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd like to challenge that personally. <laughs> but um and it, and you know, and I guess it what I'm trying to say here is like there's too much there's so many writers here where it's like, Oh, I know how to write a song. You take these chords, you take this yep. concept. This is the and, science and of it. Music is a science, that whole right. approach. And it's formula. such, yeah, and that just has, does not interest me at all. I like taking little nuggets of that to like get you moving. Yeah. But that should get you into. Something to react to. Yeah. I, I love this thing we stumbled on about it being like, it's just a series of different kind of unknown forests that you're wandering through and ho and surviving. And sometimes you run back and you're like, <laughs> Do over. I can't do. It. Yeah. 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 No. Awesome. No, and sure. I definitely like. I can hear that way of thinking in your music a lot, which is definitely you know one of the the things about it that got me into it is oh, you're, you're kind of a kindred spirit in that way. Yeah, I agree, and I appreciate that. I think it's like I would much rather like pin the stake of this mess than try to build a mess from a from a foundation mm. but i guess you're trying to kind of do that yeah you're, yeah, you're trying to mess so. up your foundation in a satisfying way which i think you do successfully a lot um but yeah you know i think it's it's good for everyone to hear like that there's different ways of there's so many different ways and so much uncertainty and so little planning into what the average person probably believes is like the most like deliberate process. Yeah. I mean, I don't know anything about how you write a book. Right. I used to think, I didn't know about storyboards or outlining or, you know, <laughs> yeah. Up until a certain age, I thought you just sit down, you type it from page one to page 300. Right. And that's, that's it. Totally. Yeah. And yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. Hey, so it's me by myself again. Uh, we didn't really have a 
clear-cut conclusion to that conversation. Um, so kind of awkwardly going to leave it off there. But uh, yeah, definitely check out that first half of the convo over at the Printer Pod if you haven't done so already. Uh, you can check Jesse's music out on uh, his website, basicprinter.com, or Facebook page. Follow him there for lots of really cool stuff. And uh, much like me, he uh, has his latest release, um, the Good Weird album, that is uh, an interactive online experience that you can also sign up for on basicprinter.com. Uh, highly recommend it. He, uh, he did a really good job with that. So that's it for today. And um, to play us out, here is a song of his I really like called Headbang. Sometimes you'll see me round talking about the things that I don't even see But I need to believe in them Because if I don't, I'm an average prick Every time the sun is up, I kinda start to feel like the pressure's on And I need some time alone I'd rather pretend like it needs me for energy So I drive my and force myself to just get out of bed And dream vision all my stupid shit Pretend it's better cause it's artistic I guess you've seen some shit For a like it, it was just perfect I guess it's time to plead head illness As if I'm even really worth that trick Comfort is hard to 